0: you're listening to Last Night's Podcast with me, Elijah, I'm talking to Sarah and Marnie who run New Scenery, a place for women and non-binary DJs who give all their profits to causes they believe in. good enough okay, um, cool. yeah um, if you introduce yourselves and then, then we'll go from there
1: okay uh, I'm Sarah this is Marnie hello I'm Marnie we do new scenery together which is a night all for charity um, we put on women non-binary and LGBTQ plus acts trying to promote that and make safe spaces essentially
0: what is a safe space in your definition
1: I think for us safe space is just somewhere where you are not stigmatized, there's no prejudice or discrimination for how you want to present yourself or act. It's sort of free from that, and I feel like in most mainstream clubs that we've experienced, it's like a level of harassment, which is like standard and normalized, or has
2: been. Things are definitely changing now, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as well you can kind of sense of difference in the vibe of being in somewhere that like defines itself as a safe space in that um i think everyone acts kind of differently because you're not in fear of something someone judging you or someone touching you when you don't want them to or whatever so i think you can really sense when you're walking into a safe space or hopefully that's like the aim of creating them um that it feels more free yeah
0: what like a kind of mainstream clubs made you want to say okay i'm gonna actually create another environment rather than disregarding clubbing as a thing in general?
1: I think it's just, in mainstream clubs, it's like when you get harassed and you get things said to you or you get your ass grabbed, for example, which is like a really common thing. It's the feeling that you can't go to a bouncer or someone who works behind the bar and tell them and it be sort of like dealt with. Like it's sort of normalized and disregarded. And... I think, yeah, in mainstream clubs, it doesn't feel like that is, like, a level with people who work there, that they're on your side type of thing. But I don't think it's a disres- disregard of clubbing. I think it's just a disregard of, like, people that attend and not being aware that that is behaviour that isn't accepted.
0: Mm, I mean, what made you not want to disregard, like, clubbing as a, as a thing to do? Like, if, um, you know, I had, like, really bad experiences around something, it might make me just not want to be in clubs oh, at all.
1: Um... I guess it's just like love for the music and lots of our friends have experienced it. Yeah. So it's like creating a space where we can go and we can feel safe. And it is all inclusive and everyone can come, but it's just that behavior isn't accepted. Because I think everybody has a right to go out and feel safe. Um, and it's just manufacturing a space
2: that can do that. It's kind of cool to like feel, I feel like I've been clubbing since I was like 16, illegally. Um. How <laughs> <laughs> I'll do you now? I'm 22 Um, and I was just, I became so used to like being in spaces where I was like made to feel uncomfortable and stuff. And it's really cool to just be like, well, why don't we just like create our own instead of like having to put up with it for years and years? Why don't we just like, we can do it. You just need like a bit of money, you need to love music and just like, it's actually quite easy. (laughs) So instead of just like putting up with it or like, spending ages scouting around nights and like trial and error and seeing how often your ass gets groped why don't you just like make your own space and invite the people that you want to invite and like create that kind of community of people that all want to not be part of those kind of spaces anymore and want to listen to good music because like what like what is that's all you're all there for it's just to like have a good time and listen to music and like everything else is like whatever so Mm -hmm. like just create your own thing, yeah.
0: Did any like uh, particular nights inspire New C D V to get started? For or sure, something?
2: like Pussy Palace, I think was like one of yeah. our big inspirations. Um, they're just like doing bits; all of their nights sell out, and um, they've managed to create like this like really amazing space. Yeah, um, I think because I started when I moved to London, I was
1: going to so many box nights. And I absolutely love them. And it was like me and my other friend, who's also female. And everyone who went was absolutely lovely. And we always had a great time and met so many good people. But I think towards the end when we were going, we realized like there wasn't that much representation in behind the decks of women. So it meant people would like be really surprised that we were there all the time. There was never a level of harassment, but it was sort of like a question of you being there. And I thought that was kind of strange. And then he noticed it after a while. And I was like, as soon as you flip it around and you present it with people behind the decks that you wouldn't usually see, that your like place in that venue is no longer questioned, and you don't sort of have to like prove yourself anymore. But.
0: Do you still feel that like when when even that happens? If you're playing somewhere, you're putting on a night that to staff, you know, bar staff, uh, bouncers, all these kind of people, you're. St- you're still having to say, oh, actually, I'm the I'm the DJ. Like, I'm yeah. the person running. I'm the promoter. I'm all of these things combined. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: I think we've been really lucky in finding venues who are, like, of the same agenda that we do. Mm-hmm. And everyone who works there, like, fully realises it as well, which we've been really lucky. Like, The Yard, for example, mm. is fucking amazing. And it's never been a question of that. But I think you have a different experience
2: in Brighton. Yeah, I think... I've, like, I wouldn't say I'm, like, a proper DJ, but I've had, like, quite, like, lucky experiences just, like, play out in clubs and stuff like that. And I'd say, like, nearly every time I've played out, something's happened, someone's been, like, like wouldn't... Like, I'd come up to the decks and they'd be, like, wait, I didn't think a girl would be playing, like, stuff like that. And, like, or having someone, like, patronising a guy, like, standing behind me and telling me how to work the decks when I'm, like, I have... I know what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? So, like... I still am experiencing that, it's just that nights that aren't like my own night. So it's definitely still like 100% happening.
0: So is that a difference between like maybe Brighton and London, like so, like in terms of like the way they're looking at it, it's like, okay, Brighton maybe is a bit behind in that. Sense yeah, still.
2: and I think Brighton is behind in, in terms of just the, everything's kind of delayed, like in terms of like music trends and stuff like that. And like, it does all come a bit later. And the lineups are still pretty male dominated, and the scene is still pretty male dominated, which is a shame. But like, I like you can notice that people are like, like noticing that it's kind of unequal and stuff like that. But it always takes a bit longer, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think Brighton's a good example as well of like jumping
1: on the trend of like females in music at the moment, um, but it not sort of being like a genuine thing, sort of being like we're going to program this because it's trendy right now and there isn't really a curation or a consideration of who's playing or what's playing or what the night's about. And <clears throat> yeah, it's not, it's not genuine, I don't think at the moment, but it'll get there. Mm. But in London, I do think it is very different because there is so many nights going on very similar to ours, mm-hmm. which is great. And it's like spreading through all these other nights which aren't exactly have that at their ethos, but the sort of consideration of the gender on the lineup, I feel like is being represented in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: How could it improve in Brighton in terms of like, you know, yeah, not being like tokenistic or not being um, slow to react or not being like, you know I mean? Uh, you I think
1: because it's small and it's like, the power is only in the hands of like a few people. Yeah. In terms sure. of like who's running venues and who's promoting. So it's sort of like catching these trends and not really considering what it's about. So I think maybe it's just more more clubs, more promoters getting
2: involved in it, I think. Yeah. I think since I've been living in Brighton the club scene has definitely become f- way more like condensed into like there's a there seems to be like clubs shutting down the whole time and the ones that were really forward thinking like Mono RIP um <laughs> are, like <laughs> closing and it's really sad to see that um big clubs are still dominating that scene and like also I think if you're in a position of power like running one of the biggest clubs in a place you should really be acknowledging like what that part what you do with that power instead of just like just running off of capital and just running off of how many people you can get in the doors at one time like it doesn't it that shouldn't be your main ethos your ethos should be like how am I going to use my like power as like one of the biggest like clubs in Brighton like to actually do something
0: you, you talked kind of like about philanthropy like you know these businesses kind of giving back and contributing something more than that just making money Mm -hmm. Um, and that's obviously at the core of your night yeah Um, why did you make that integral to what in terms of the charity aspect
1: of it I think that's just always been it's always just made sense to me and to attach charity to a club night because I think like people flock to these nights and flock to club in as sort of like an escapism thing and a disillusionment with society and charities and the third sector exists as a way of showing that the government isn't doing what they should be. And then, so to attach them together just made sense to us. Yeah. And also like to put these organisations into like a certain light and um, give it more like exposure and make people aware of it I think is a really good thing because like... It's it is in the background but it is there. Like you know who you're giving money to but you never know if you might need that service.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's like, oh I went to that night and then I know a friend who might need help from that.
2: Yeah. yeah. And also like what what we're what we're doing with new scenery, like we're not doing it for money ever. We don't <laughs> it we don't ever get any money from it, we lose money. But um yeah. but <clears throat> that's kind of the point, is that like if we're then if we were to run that night in order to get money then where's like the kind of like um genuineness of like our ethos is like it doesn't make sense for us to like capitalise off of things that like them we're like fetishising female non binary DJs in a way if we're just making money out of like having them play. Mm-hmm. So it makes way more sense as well for us to like give that money to charities that are relevant um to what we're doing, um instead of just like Gaining money off of it. Um, And also, it's cool to like, I think charities have never been like particularly trendy or whatever. And it's really good to like be able to attach them to nights where people are like, oh, like that's actually really cool what they're doing. And like maybe people have to go to a club night that's raising money for it to realise that. But lots of the people that go to our nights would actually need the help from some of those services that the charities provide at one point or another. So it's just making, like, awareness of them, too. But also, like, I think clubbing in its essence has always been, like, a response to, like, maybe people's, like, disenfranchised... What's the word? Disenfranchised? Yeah, disenfranchised. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, like, people, people being unhappy with, like, um, what's going on outside of a club space. So people coming together and, like, responding to that in a space. Um, so... I think music can be, like, way more than just, like, a creative outlet. It can be, like, a way of bringing people together and all, like, collectively being together for, like, a greater thing. So I think that's why we, like, always get kind of deep about (laughs) the way that we, like, view clubbing because it can be, like, really politically driven and it can be, like, it can make things happen um, weirdly. if you
0: give an example of that that's happened in your night like... Even just in terms of you two working together, how did you meet and how did this like, kind of snowball into something that you work on? We like? met
1: through a friend and we were doing, I was working for abortion rights and I did a night uh, called None of Your Business and it was like the first night I ever did and it was like so bootleg and like <laughs> literally knew, had no idea what I was doing. I was just really lucky that I knew loads of people. So I got like Jossie Mitsu um, and a few other people that I know and the lineup was actually really good yeah. and the turnout was really good and I was just like literally shitting myself the entire time, like just stood at the bar with tequila like, oh my God, this is so stressful. but. <laughs> It worked out really well, and then I was like, this would be sick to just continue to do this. And then, at the time,
2: I, was, club night. Oh, I like, was part of a club night in Brighton. We still are doing nights, but it was just like a fundraising thing for a degree show in London. And so I had a bit of an experience in it, but I like, really, I, I like really, well, first of all, it was kind of in the graphic design area. So like I really liked the idea of like doing the art direction and stuff like that, but then also just like, was really down for the music that we were like planning on programming and stuff. Mm. Yeah, it
1: just like snowboards quite quickly. I remember like the first night that we did, you were doing a vj it at Vogue Fabrics in Dalston. And I remember we got there and we had to um, drill, what was it? We had to like basically put the projector on like four chairs and sellotape it to the bar. (laughs) And it was just, it was so so hilarious. (laughs) But it actually went really well, and I think after that we were like, yeah, we fully need to do this.
2: And we didn't have the decks weren't linked and all this stuff. Oh well,
1: god, like, yeah, we had we like do. we had like 900s and they weren't connected with each other and like the. I mean, it's just jokes. Like the way Vogue Fabrics is run. I love it because it's like so true to how they started, which was just like an illegal rave, and then the council were like gave them a license. Yeah. So the people that run it are just like proper chill and lax. And then it was like 10 minutes before we started and I was like, oh, the CDJs aren't connected. And they were like, yeah, I'm what? And I was like, right, okay. My
2: friend was like running down the street with a hard drive. like trying. To- <laughs> and
1: everyone was sat with their computers, like with two USBs. just like. Oh, because they only
0: bought one? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow, that is a... That is a- 2018 probably or 2017
1: probably yeah we managed to message everyone <laughs> so everyone was like oh usually come out with two but a few people had to borrow some and like it was intense but it was good it all went well in the end mm.
0: and wow. then,
1: yeah it just kind of went from there
0: yeah when I started DJing uh not obviously USBs existed but <laughs> CDJs with USBs did it. so it's yeah. actually funny that sometimes when I see people with one I get scared I think man you come come out with one d- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like I, I no, feel like no. I, it's like it's so risky. Yeah, yeah. Because um, like even I, I mean I'm not that old here, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> floppy discs. No. <laughs> 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 um, it quickly went from like vinyl to CDJs, mm. or to CDs, and then I used to write it for a bit, and then into USBs in the space of maybe like five years mm. or five six years, and now for like the maybe like a technical issue to be no phone line to connect to CDJs is like, oh, that's like a good problem to have because some of the problems that we had starting out were like, okay, the wiring, in the 1210 is like yeah. not ground properly. Oh and it's like God. the ta- turntable's spinning backwards. Yeah. <laughs> all these kind of like, yeah, really out of date problems. Even like, I guess when people were using Serato and laptops and stuff, like yeah. people's laptops overheating and doing yeah. all sorts of crazy stuff. Now it's rare that I see people playing with computers so much in, in the club.
1: I mean, we had um Baby Flame play, who does Serato and brings her controller. And it was so jokes, she was at the Alibi and she was playing a really late set. So it was like f- really fucking rammed and like everyone was like super like going for it. And she was like making her way through the crowd and I was like helping her. And she's like literally holding her controller and her <laughs> laptop and I was like fuck now like literally a second and you drop it and this is all over, but. Yeah. Oh,
2: and the bloody I was like VJing that night and like as I went to like do the live visuals thing, we spent all day like um drilling this like projector stand into the ceiling and it was as like an alibi. Yeah, yeah. I know. What? They let us do that. And we, wanted. We, had to, we, like, we had to, like, keep a, like, kind of, like, coat as, like, a pillow in case the projector fell down. <laughs> and then we also had, like, we taped up this, like, sheet at the back so that you could, like, see the projections on the wall. And, like, as I went to do it, I just saw someone, like, falling backwards in the crowd. And I was like, no, 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 no. They just pulled the whole thing down. <laughs> and then the projector was, like, wobbling. And we were just like, fucking out. Yeah, there were, like, loads of, I think there's been loads of things like that. But actually, in the time, like... Everyone's like having a good time, no one really notices those like hicc- Oh, our speakers stack falling down at the end of the set as well. That oh, at the yard.
1: Yeah, yeah that abruptly ended it. Someone, two people were hugging each other so happily that they knocked into the huge stack of speakers that's like 10 foot high, and then the whole thing just fell. Yeah. And like the whole night was just cut off and they just had to get everyone out. And then we, I was counting the money in the back and was just like, yeah, like we made so much for the charity. And then I walked out and I was like, oh fucking hell because i was like are we <laughs> gonna have to pay
2: to fucking yes. replace the speaker but we were saying that's like quite a nice problem like the biggest problem with a safe space party is like two people hugging too much uh, yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow and i mean the the clubs in particular that you mentioned like the yard um the alibi you've done five miles as well right yeah. um like you talk about the importance of like the management of these spaces and how important it is for these kind of people to kind of house their ideas and Mm -hmm. what it's been like working with them
1: the yard especially like because of the way they are run they have a luxury of not being concerned with profit so they can just sort of have the freedom to put on certain parties and not really consider whether you're going to make so much on the bar or not but I guess also another important thing is like own venues having their own safe space policy. Because then when you come and you say, we've got one too, it's just like, oh, well, sick. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, it's not an issue. Like, we've done venues where it's been really hard to implement it because it's not really their usual thing. So it's like quite strange for us to come and then change up the whole management, so to speak. Um, so I think, yeah, it's really important for the venues to like understand and realize it.
2: That's kind of why we've, like, we've gone, how many, we've done it in, like, six or seven clubs or something, because I think we spent quite a long, like, the first, like, six months or something just, like, trying out different clubs. I guess we didn't really think we were doing that, but in a way we were, like, trying to find, like, a home for, like, Mm -hmm. where we could keep going back and doing it, and we knew that it was going to be, like, the right kind of um, vibe, but, yeah, so we've had, we've definitely been, like, trial and error, like, there has been venues and nights where, like, Um, it hasn't been right and it hasn't been the right kind of like space and also the club just like but like wasn't as on it with that kind of safe space thing so it has been like trial and error but I think we found a home
0: Um, let's talk about the future so I've been asking everyone this: like what will clubs look like in 2030 Clubs in the uh, most optimistic way possible
1: I guess we were talking about it before we got here Mm -hmm. in terms of clubbing. And I guess like the weird thing about what we're doing and so many nights that are similar is like we are essentially um, sort of like contributing to our own demise in a way. So it's like we don't want to exist anymore or need to be able to do that. So I think for us, clubbing in 2020 is just going to be all- 2030. 2030 even. Oh shit, man. Uh, It's going to be all-inclusive and- sort of like more diverse I suppose but it's not going to be a thing of like knights that do it it's just going to be an all-round
2: yeah like hopefully we don't have to exist (laughs) 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 do you know what I mean though not in I mean it'd be great but it wouldn't be great in a way because for the greater like cause that we're trying to contribute to we shouldn't have to have knights like ours they should just be the normal thing Mm -hmm. not everyone has to donate to charity but like might be nice um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that's kind of like our goal is that more and more nights, or um, people have more awareness of like the need for like diverse spaces and safe spaces. Um, places just become like a safe, nice place to party, and in, instead of somewhere where anyone feels feels threatened or whatever. So yeah.
0: And the speakers are safely tied down
2: yes it's very true it's definitely
1: a must isn't it
2: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay we can leave it there thank you alright cheers thank you if you want to find out more about Sarah Romani, you can find New Scenery on Facebook or catch her next party at The Yard in London This podcast is part of the Last Dance programme I'm running as Associate Artistic Director at Lighthouse. Go to lighthouse.org.uk to find out more or find us on social media at Lighthouse Arts. Last Dance is supported and funded through the Arts Council's Changemaker Scheme. The Last Dance podcast was produced by myself, Elijah, Jamila Prowse and the team at StoryThings. If you've enjoyed it, go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast to subscribe, rate and comment.